0: Hey, I'm Mike Pruce, the founder and CEO of Visible. As you scale your company, having the right guides at your side can make all of the difference. Each episode, we'll talk to fellow founders, investors, and experts. We'll dive into their zone of genius, as well as hear about their past mistakes to give you a better chance of success. This podcast is for founders, by founders. This is The Founders Forward. Okay, everyone. Welcome. Today, uh, I'm really excited to to chat with Cheryl Campos. Uh, Cheryl is the head of venture growth and partnerships at Republic. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Republic's an incredible platform that's giving everyone access to early stage startup investing. Uh, That's going to be one of the key things we talk about today. Uh, and I want to give a special shout out to Dollaride. Uh, Sue is one of our good friends, been a visible customer for two companies now. And I think he's actually currently on, uh, on Republic, which is awesome. Uh, but Cheryl's also a scout for Lightspeed and a venture partner at the Community Fund. Uh, so, Cheryl, first of all, welcome to the Founders Forward.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you started, uh, you went to Harvard, right? And then you were investing in banking uh, for a while. And more recently, you've been, I think, at Republic now for close to, to five years. So I would love just to kind of quickly talk about your history and, and how you got into into venture and, and what really got you peaked in, in terms of getting into the startup world.
1: Yeah, So. so... I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised and, and went to Harvard, um, major in economics like most people do, went into banking like most people do, and kind of was just following, um, I guess, orders, right? I, I think at some point you feel the pressure of either going to banking or consulting, and yeah. when you don't have a clear sense of what you want to do, that is kind of what um, you just fall in line. Uh, At the same time, I also, you know, come from a humble background, and my single mother like raised my brother and I up uh, by herself in inner city New York, and um, we both went to Harvard, right? So that's I always like to say that she should be the one who's doing these interviews because (laughs) everyone should learn from her, right? Like how she was able to to pull that off. But um, I guess she instilled in me the sense of like, you know, if you work hard um, and you visualize kind of what it is that you want to do, you can you can end up at there, no matter how unattainable it might
0: seem at the beginning. Speaking so, of working hard, I saw that on Twitter. Uh, you recently watched The Last Dance. Are you a basketball fan, or was that <laughs> like, is that just like uh, something about work ethic? Like, I so I grew up in Chicago and that was like my childhood following really? uh, that that Bulls, you know, the three peat and all of that. But like,
1: wow, what to were your thoughts about the last time. dance? I mean, I, I actually, I'm in '93, so I remember just uh, a couple of small things in my childhood that had to do with the bulls but um this whole i i think vc is just full of smoke and mirrors quite frankly there's so many people who are saying they're doing these things and and i'm just because of my my mom and my upbringing about like you can't really be as your way anywhere (laughs) like you have to really truly be doing the work and you can also get caught up in that right i you can get caught up in the hype and the buzz. But what I loved about The Last Dance was that he did not care about that at all. He was just more like, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to create reasons why <laughs> like I should be beating other people. I will just have that hunger and drive. And when you are surrounded by so many people that sometimes are just, you know, talking and talking not walking the walk, you have to go back to those things that will ground you. And so I really love The Last Dance for that reason is because... It just goes back to the fundamentals, and I want to remind myself that's that's key here. No matter what, no matter like how many people say like, "Oh, you have a good brand," "Oh, you're doing all this," and like, it always feels like not enough because I'm not pushing myself to the point where I am happy with where I am, and so I'm constantly grinding. And and I and I and I see that in the last dance, and that's why I I watch it. I'm a New York Knicks person, which is very unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, yeah. So, but you know, gotta gotta stay loyal. You know, um, make sure that at some point we we won't be um, where we are right now.
0: Incredible series, though, right? I think that captivated everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, for a couple of reasons. I think it's just an interesting story, and and a lot of storylines there. And and part two is because like that was like the start of COVID. It was like when, when COVID hit, it was like, all right, we're going to drop the last dance early because everyone's at home. But uh, it was
1: so it was, incredibly smart. Yeah. And also um, a lot of times. I feel like a lot, people put MJ with LeBron and sometimes people just need a reminder <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> different times. And yeah. there I absolutely love how they weaved all the storylines, especially chronologically how things are tied together no matter how far apart it seems. And that's the part that keeps me interested. And I've rewatched it several times at this point (laughs) because I just, I'm such a big fan of how they display it. And you also catch the little things here and there that you didn't catch the first time. And so I I think, I think it's a beautiful documentary. I'm going to have to
0: rewatch it. So here's a, here's a question for you. Do you think Nike made Jordan or did Jordan make Nike? or were they harmonious in making one another, right? Because Jordan was an upstart at the time. Nike was still very much an upstart, which is crazy to think about. Who who helped who there?
1: First of all, it would have to be Jordan's mother because (laughs) (laughs) without her, nothing would have happened. There you go. Um, That's my answer. But I'd say, yeah, I I think partnerships and and that's... low-key what I do right now right yeah. is that it feeds into one another right. it has to be mutually beneficial for every party to to have and sustain and it for a long time because it has been a long time right. and Jordan is just you know making millions every year just chilling and because of those that agreement and so um yeah I think if, if anything what it did is yes it helped both of them but to be honest it helped American culture and to be worldwide and like yeah. you know, widespread and um, and the NBA to really like, kind of capture uh, the hearts of everyone. So I, I mean, it's just a win-win all around.
0: As much as I would love to talk about the last dance and the parallels of basketball at <laughs> the startup, part, I would
1: love that. I part, think it be great. <laughs>
0: uh, but we're here today to talk about, I mean, really, yeah, the grit and, and what it takes to build a startup. So mm-hmm. I would love to talk about Republic first. So yes. for our audience, what is Republic and why should I think about Republic? as a funding vehicle for my company? Mm-hmm.
1: So Republic is a spin out of Angelist, right? Um, we spun out in 2016, and it allows anyone to invest in startups with as little as $50, and for startups to raise up to five, to $1 million, but starting in 2021, $5 million. And so what that does really is, instead of just having, you know, the traditional 3% of accredited investors, um, be the ones deciding where their money goes into this kind of quote-unquote high-risk asset class now anyone who might not fit that traditional uh, definition can do so and this really democratizes access to both fundraising and investing right 40 percent of our founders are women uh 15 are black and latinx and they hail from over 31 states now so its it wasn't us that set out to do that but it was through the nature of the platform where where this uh we saw that this was something that where we wanted to kind of build a feature we want to see right and just to finish my story I guess because I don't think yeah I yeah, it, right? yeah yeah please. Um, I I I learned from my mom that you' whatever you want to do you can you can do it right and so I went into banking but quite frankly i I didn't like it. I just thought being caught in a machine wasn't the right fit for me. And I'm much more of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, private equity was a similar story. And I found out by Republic through one of my mentors. And so I joined back two and a half years ago, not five years ago, okay, sorry, because sorry, sorry, it started sorry. in 2016, yeah, but yeah. it's okay, no worries. Um, and so uh, I joined two and a half years ago, but we were like 20, 25 employees. And so, and now we're like a hundred and something. And it's just, it's incredible to see the growth that we've had. Um, but yeah, I've I've been went to investment team and and uh, now work directly as head of venture growth and partnerships. And the reason why I love Republic so much and why I took a pay cut, quite frankly, <laughs> is because um, you know we're focused on making sure that anyone who has a solid idea who is we believe is going to be the unicorn uh, in the future can actually raise from anyone around the world that believes in them. And I think you're starting to see this shift where. Attitudes used to be like, oh no, like VC, like this is for companies who can't raise from VC. Like this is whack. Now it's starting to shift slowly, and now people are starting to see that some founders don't want to raise from VC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some founders just like, I want to just raise from my community, have it be community led. That's that's what our ethos is. And the, about thirty percent of our companies have not raised VC. The rest seventy percent have, and on average have raised one point five million. But even still, like it is you know, it's it's a bigger piece than you would imagine, right? And then other people are starting to say, hey, actually, I don't need to go to VCs. Why go to VCs when I can raise from my community and you give them a piece of the company to acquire customers, engage current customers, have it be like a marketing tool to bring lifelong brand evangelists around you. And then they'll be, they'll be telling everyone because now they're financially tied to your success. And so, we're starting to see that with larger companies. So we we originally said pre C through series a, but now we had a series B company raised with us um, starting in 2021. We have an amazing pipeline of great companies that are going to be raising um, that have already raised traditional VC, but want to make sure to open it up to our uh, to investors all around the world. And I think that's just the true beauty of what, what Republic does is they're, People are finally starting to see the vision of it's, it's, creating it's, that, that
0: future. It's really incredible, right? I think there's been a huge shift, even if it feels like within the last 90 days. That, yeah. like, I mean, obviously, so the SEC came out and said, um, uh, and you know this better than I do, but Reg F, uh, Reg CF said, hey, you could crowdfund like, just over a million dollars from from the crowd, from non-accredited investors, if you're doing, I think, what's called a tier one offering. Wait, so, and, oh, no, you fixed so me. me fix. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sorry. So let me just clarify. For Reg CF, you could raise up to one million prior to the changes, and now starting in 2021, you can raise up to five million. Five, yeah, that's There's huge. Another thing that's really huge is testing the waters. So previously, you couldn't um, say that you were selling securities or, or re- running a campaign until after you filed the Form C, um, which uh, is just a legal document with the SEC, like high level of your business and financials. Um, but now what we can do, well, starting with the changes, is that companies can actually build their audience and engage interest prior to even running a campaign. So they could actually, especially for black and brown founders who don't necessarily have friends around them, family around them, who can kind of get that money to them. What can they can do is they can actually market and say, like, hey, who would be interested in, in in investing in us? Who would be? And then create that list so that when they do run a campaign, they already have soft-circled a bunch of people that could be uh, give them a head start on a campaign. And that's, that's
0: key. That's huge. It's like when you build a prototype for your company, right? You're like, hey, I'm going to throw out some ads on Facebook, test to see if someone mm-hmm. is interested in this before I even build it. So now you're saying, as a founder, I can even kind of test the waters before I go through all these regulatory hurdles.
1: Exactly. And, and and mind you, remember that the laws were made because of like in the nineteen thirties there were a ton of scams and like people be selling stock on the street and like this was not good. So it's always to protect the investor at the end of the day. But I think for you know, now people are realizing that this asset class is can create generational wealth and we shouldn't just lock it. So as long as we do it you know in a way that for us like we're the most curated platform, right? We are we accept less than 3% of companies that actually apply, right. And so like that for us is the way to to protect our investor base and also make sure that we are working with companies that, that do have a community around them and can actually uh, raise the money.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question, is what types of companies, right? So, it sounds like you guys are doing some level of gatekeeping yourselves, right? So, curating, Uh and and is it companies that have some sort of product, or uh, do they have to have revenue, or what types of companies, let's go, I know it's a wide range now, we'll get into that, but maybe like the (laughs) the start, right? Like, if I'm just starting a company, what types of traction or things do you like to see from those companies?
1: Yeah, so, um, let me just start with some of the eligibility requirements, right? it has to be a U.S. incorporated company. Um, it has to have at least three to four months of runway because of, you know, onboarding and a campaign takes time. So like, let's not make, let's not have them die in the middle. (laughs) And then, um, we generally say post-product post-revenue. Um, and so that, that generally shows that they have some sort of community around them already customers and can, you know, have, are looking for product market fit, all of that. And if they are pre-revenue, we'd say is that they need to have a notable VC backing or a serial exited founder um, or a large community around them. We had a company that raised with us and they had like 30,000 like, users, even though they were still pre-revenue because you know, it was just a truly free product. So it's that type of thing where um, we can make exceptions, but for the most part, post-product, post-revenue, pre-seed through series B, given our pipeline, it might actually go to series C, Um, And so it's exciting to kind of see the wide range of use cases for Republic, um, right? Whether it's just strictly fundraising. So a lot of times companies will run a Republic campaign concurrently to traditional VCs, which I mean, most of our companies do. And then, or they can do it before uh, raising from institutional because they could get their metrics up, you have more customers, get the marketing and then have more leverage when it goes to VCs. Or they can do it after running a, a tr- institutional round because then it could say, okay, I want to use this as a systems marketing tool and engage my customers now and yeah. just have time have more bandwidth quite frankly to do a campaign. So different different ways to use for public.
0: What are, well, yeah, one of the interesting things that I that I've seen start to emerge is you have these public listings, right? In which anyone can participate, me, Mike Preuse can come join and invest in Sue's company. Uh, or it's, you have private listings as well, right? Is that me bringing my own audience to the Republic platform or, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so we have an arm called Republic Labs, which is more around kind of the similar syndicate model for just deals that we already have access to. So we did Robinhood, we did Carta, Primaries, by the way, and we do have some secondaries in other, in other companies. But those are ones where uh, you would just come in individually and invest in those companies at a higher level. So it. it would not be, yeah. And so, but we, I don't know how much I can say, okay. but let's, let's just say that there are some products on the way in 2021 that are similar to what you just mentioned. And I okay. think that will help as well with um, kind of gauging and testing the waters, all of that bunch of stuff.
0: Got it, okay, cool. And and does the take rate that, that you guys get vary depending on, what, what are the factors um, in terms so, of your take rate? Um,
1: so we're strictly success-based. Um, which is great. Uh, we earn 6% of the total fundraised in cash and then 2% of the CrowdSafe. Um, so let me explain the CrowdSafe a little bit. Yeah. Because I haven't yet. Buy Combinator, Safe, Simple Agreement for Future Equity. Um, what it does is a standardized agreement. And so we created a proprietary one called the CrowdSafe, which allows all of the thousands of investors that you might have in your campaign roll up into one line item in the cap table. And they have no voting or information rights, uh, so they're not going to be texting you in the middle of the night, yeah. even though they only invested $50. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, the investors don't get a return um, until you have a liquidity event. So IPO acquisition, change and control, um, which is very different from a regular SAFE because that's at a priced round that it gets converted. And so um, that actually allows for these investors to kind of come along for a ride. And that's, I think, um, a key difference. So, that being said, when we say, okay, we earn 6% of the total fundraise in cash and 2% of the CrowdSafe, what we mean is that if you raise 100K, we earn 6,000 in cash, right, to sustain operations, mm-hmm. but also 2% of the CrowdSafe, which means that we're like, which we're 2% of like what's being offered in a campaign, which means that we're like a tiny little sliver of the company. Some people get confused when they're like, oh, 2% of my company. It's like, no, 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 2% of what you offered. Yeah. Um, and to that end, um, that allows us to also have skin in the game. And we have uh, 200 companies that have already raised with us. And so we actually help them afterwards, too, when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to uh, perks, when it comes to all these uh, event opportunities and podcasts and stuff like that, so that they continue to to raise and be successful because we want them to succeed.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. You mentioned uh, this idea of, you know, having thousands of investors and not having information rights, which I think is a good thing, right? You don't want Joe the dentist texting you at at 2am, you know, what's going on with revenue. But how as a founder, should I leverage those 2000 people that are investors in my company, though, at the same time?
1: These are incredible questions, so thank you. I did not write them for him. <laughs> for those of you listening. Um, but we do have something that we rolled out recently, actually, in the past 90 days, um, which is so- called Social Capital. Not to be confused with the VC. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why we chose that name, but oh, it's, it's really cool. And what it is, is that when you, as an investor, go on Republic, sign up, and you can... And you say, okay, I like this company, I'm going to invest. While you're, you know, investing, you could actually say like, what's your superpower? And it means like, what is something that you've done? So like maybe you're a retired lawyer or an accountant or stuff where you can actually add value to the company. Yeah. And so the company on the other side of things has now like a CRM of all of their investors and all of their superpowers, which means that if they ever need like accounting done, they could maybe go to a, one of the, the people that invested in them and say, hey, like you um, mentioned that you, this might be something you could offer. You know, can you do a pro bono? Could you support in this way? Um, and we've also had amazing things happen where somebody would invest and then say, hey, actually, my brother has like a bunch of NFL stadiums and like could support you as a customer. And so those get uh, those connections get made. And there is a company that got $750,000 just in annual revenue, just through this one direct connection that happened. And that's the beauty of these network effects. And yeah. the fact that Republic is all about community, right? Is that we're bringing community in, trying to get them involved in any way possible. Cause we know that our investors like want to support, not just with like a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars and like, but really, more with other things that they could provide, right? Like their connections and um, their previous uh, expertise, right? So that that's where I think um, we're truly harnessing the power in numbers. I'm pure. I'm purely of the camp of like la unión hace la fuerza, right? Like jobs fill the bucket. Like we, um, it is all about putting small pieces together that overall will make a huge difference. And so that's that's kind of the republic ethos.
0: Yeah, and and so what makes a uh, a successful campaign then, right? I want to launch on Republic. Uh, I'm assuming you guys probably play a role in that, but... I'm assuming just like Kickstarter in a way you you have to invest quite a bit or or you know have mm-hmm. the thing the pieces together just to you can't just put your URL URL and say, hey, I'm raising a million bucks right yeah
1: so uh, let me clarify something and kind of just walk through the process a little bit. If like you, for example, are a startup that is interested, right um, you would go through the diligence. Um, where we just make sure your business is sound and also kind of test and see like, do you have a community around you that you could potentially leverage right before going on to a campaign? Are you kind of crowdfundable in a, in a sense or crowd investable? Because we, we generally shy away from crowdfunding because people think it's sort of Indiegogo. So we're crowd investing. There we which go. Is the marriage between crowdfunding and angel investing. Investable. And then we present it to an investment committee, and the investment committee decides whether or not it's fit. After that, sign a campaign agreement and you're onto the onboarding phase. So this onboarding phase takes more around like anywhere from three to four weeks, three to six weeks, depending on, you know, how quickly you can turn around the form C, which is what I mentioned, the SEC mm-hmm. um, uh, filing, and then also making sure your financials are gap compliant. And so uh, those two things take like a couple of weeks, but it depends on, you know, if you're already raising from VCs, you generally have that in order. And then what? The other part that we do is that we have a campaign execution manager that kind of gives you the best tips and tricks, like our strategies. Like we've had 200 companies, we kind of what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And in particular, the best companies, going back to your question, are the ones that are most prepared. So they take our advice well, they are the ones who do the homework around like, okay, who are the contacts that I should reach out first, second, third, and also works with our marketing team in terms of copy for ads. So what's great is that we also deploy complimentary Facebook and Instagram spend um, about 2,000, anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000, it depends. Uh, but- Dollars? Dollars, yes. <laughs> cool. into um, And is that in- free of
0: charge to the company?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because we want to determine their return on advertising spend, right? And say, hey, for every dollar that we're investing, you're getting $10 in investment. So it makes sense that you just put gas to the flame and then just put in more of your marketing dollars into this that will get you more investment. So that's where I think um, is it's key, especially for some companies who didn't realize that they could use these ads. And so instead of saying like, buy this product, you can say like, invest in us, right? And that's a different call to action that I think is more powerful. And so then the campaign launches, right? So now you're in campaign mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and this generally takes two to three months. And we ask all issuers, all camp, all startups to raise a first 25K through their community, friends, family, the marketing that we mentioned, all of that. So that then... Once they reach 25K, we can blast it out to our investor base. And that I think is because when we first started, we did it at like $0 when we would blast it out, and no one wants to invest in something that's like $0, right? They want to invest when there's momentum. And so you continue to build and build upon that. And yeah, then uh, our average campaign size is 500K. As we continue to uh, bring in more and more companies, I think all rising tide lifts all boats. And so we're bringing in with every single campaign, more and more investors. And so that's what I think is is going to be key. We're, we're finally coming up to like our fifth year next year, where I think we'll see a monumental shift in, in terms of uh, campaign sizes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like the law of network effects, right? Where every single node you're bringing on, every single company's bringing their own investors who can then cross-pollinate, invest in other companies and and things like that, which is really cool. As a founder, if I'm seeing like, hey, Dude, what is the what is the data, by the way? Like every dollar I put into Facebook, what am I getting back? Is it $10? No,
1: no, no. It, it depends per issuer. Remember? Okay. So yeah. We yeah, do yeah. I was just curious if there was like ads. a blanket. <laughs> You're like, <number. laughs> like, so I'm going to do ads now for Visible VC podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Invest in us. No, okay.
0: But uh, can I also add my own capital? So let's just say, hey, five thousand bucks is working really well. Um, that you know Republic has provided. Can I put more of my own money into that campaign? That's
1: exactly it. Like if you want to put more after that, you totally can. And we actually have the marketing folks in Republic that actually uh, cool. deploy that money. Okay. So it's like an agency within us. Yeah. Which okay. I really
0: that's in, that's in, that's incredible, right? You guys uh, have this yeah. fully uh, dialed in, which is which is awesome. Uh, I want to. So you mentioned you know this is you're coming up on five years. So, uh, has there
1: wait Republic? Yes.
0: Yeah, Republic. Has has there been any? uh, I know. So it's early, right? In terms of the life cycle of a lot of these companies, have there been any uh, changes in control M&A events or or anything that's happened with companies that have already been uh, part of the Republic community and gone through a a campaign?
1: Yeah. So just to clarify, too, like um, we started out. I think our first year with like. 15, 20 companies. So it's like very small. And we've kind of tried to increase that every year. And this year we're doing 125. So um, definitely a lot of um, companies are now joining the family. So on that side, yeah, we have had some companies who have done debt deals, which we don't do that often. We're mostly on the crowd safe side and that's what we pitch. And mm-hmm. But we do have capabilities to do hybrid debt equity debt. Um, we do also have the capability to do revenue and profit share, but we haven't done it just yet. And so we did have a debt deal, for example, that kind of went, um, that kind of did this for the marketing. And then after a certain amount, they were like, actually, we're just going to close this and pay it out. So people had like a 50% return on investment in like five months, which was kind of crazy because, you know, those those types of things that you wouldn't expect, but, yeah. but sometimes there are winners like that. Um, and there are a couple others that I can't say just yet. But there
0: are some coming in the pipeline that I think will be really- Okay, there it is. I, I just love, I, I was just on Twitter yesterday talking to, to someone else about this, but there are so many more options now for founders to find funding for their mm-hmm. business or or different types of funding, right? I think one of the things VCs always say is, oh, this isn't venture backable. Uh, but it probably does deserve investment. And there's probably different ways you can find it. And so there's all mm-hmm. types of tools out there. Uh, that people like Stripe are building, uh, folks like Republic are building. Uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, uh, I mean, what like the of
1: companies aren't VC backable, quote unquote, because maybe not scaling quickly or not an issue that's mm-hmm. exciting for them. And that's totally fine. That shouldn't be regarded as a stigma or something or a bad thing. Yeah. It means you should look at the entire capital continuum, figure out what financing is best for you, right? It's, like, yeah, it's, it, it's wild to me sometimes that people just don't um, think the VC is the end all be all of things. And it's just that they did really good press around VC and it's sexy and that like, but don't be caught up on that. I like think fully focus on what you, you capital you truly need that is best for you as a founder, especially given how you're the one putting your blood, sweat, tears, everything into it and um, try to retain as much as you can. I always tell people like, do what's best for you. Republic is just one part of the capital continuum. Like you can really just figure out what's the best capital, and then if Republic's a fit, then it's a fit. So, and then we could talk from there.
0: So, going from from Republic now, um, you're also part of the Community Fund, which is which is really interesting. So, Lolita Taub, she was on um, yeah. our original guest, who's, who's incredible and and has done a ton of work to help founders. Uh, how how does that fit in? And so, yeah, we'd love to talk about Community Fund and your role there. Uh, and then your role at Lightspeed as well, I believe you're, you're a scout with, with Lightspeed, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're at the at public. So how does that all marry together and, and, <laughs> and cohesively, right? Like,
1: like <laughs> um, lots of, uh, no sleep. Um, no, I'm kidding.
0: Well, so- you should get sleep because I just did an episode with a sleep expert and you need sleep. So oh, okay. you're gonna have to listen to that one.
1: <laughs> Oops. Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so let me start by just explaining some things first so that uh, yeah. uh, listeners can kind of understand so um thankfully republic has allowed me to do these other two roles that aren't conflict of interest um which one of them is being a scout for lightspeed um and you know lightspeed is one of the top tier farms um and they have i mean Truly, like I, I appreciate the fact that they have faith in me to determine kind of companies that um, are going to be unicorns in the future. And my investment thesis, just broadly, is companies just investing in companies that are proving people's lives and well-being. Specifically, uh, fem tech and silver tech. Silver tech being like elder tech, um, and just more broadly, just investing in. Overlooked communities. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I use to determine kind of what startups I consider for Lightspeed. And then for the community fund, which is a $5 million fund backed by Flybridge. And Lolita Taub and Jesse Milton are the two GPs with um, 10 investment partners um, as part of the community. So I am one of the investment partners and we are focused in community-centric companies. So um, I like to marry the, two, the my investment thesis from Lightspeed to Community Fund in the sense that um, I'm looking at any company that is improving people's lives and well-being um, in a tangible way for overlooked communities. So that's kind of how I try to balance it is I just kind of change my glasses every time. It's like, okay, when I look at a company, is it a fit for a public light speed community fund? Um, obviously like just making sure that nothing is conflict of interest. I always try to, uh, have Republic right, be front and center. And if that's not a fit, then it's not a fit, right? And then it goes to being in Community Fund.
0: Has there been any overlap yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, so so that's why um, they're just so interconnected. And that's why um, I'm able to even just balance the three is because sometimes, well, doesn't work for one, might work for the other two. And um, even then, for example, I've had um, in femtech, there are some companies that are more spicy, right? Like are more now headed into sort of sex tech. And those are ones that have been accepted by the Community Fund, which I think is really interesting because uh, they are more focused on the community side of things. And I fully appreciate that, that there's a little bit more leniency and bandwidth to um, to support companies uh, that are specifically run by women founders. And mm-hmm. they are the ones that are the ones that need a lot of funding on, on in femtech specifically. So uh, I'm always really happy to support them.
0: There's been a, a really interesting movement this year. I feel like around deploying scouts and venture partners with, for underrepresented founders in particular, or even just kind of overlooked founders as well, like N D V C is doing this, I think, community fund. We,
1: we actually have, Republic has a venture partner program too. Also,
0: oh, And Republic has one too, so.
1: Which I created too, and I was like, I, I feel like we need this and yeah. just, It all up okay. I love it. About 100 100 people now.
0: Okay, how do the economics of that work? Are you willing to share? Like, is it like I get a piece of the deal? Um, well, I mean, given how our
1: fee structure is set up, right? Six and and two, right? Like, it's it's hard because we don't necessarily get carried necessarily, just have two percent of the crowd safe. So, we just do a more flat based fee uh, for companies that launch on the platform. Cool. So, So you're
0: gonna even referral to those scouts, kind of like a marketing, exactly. So, so
1: they do get paid after the campaign has launched. Um, so it's not success based either because yeah. legally we can't do that either right. it's not a percentage of the raise we can't do that
0: got it what about uh like community fund or those folks Are you, how do, how does that work
1: uh we get carry so we actually in the community fund we're splitting the carry which is pretty interesting okay um and for Lightspeed, obviously it's it's a, it's just you get carry you, per deal none of them get paid yeah.
0: Okay, I love the focus on community at kind of the intersection of everything you are about, uh, Cheryl, and, and, and what you're doing with all the different things. Let's say I'm, I'm starting out as a founder, uh, and I know, actually, we're going through this at Visible ourselves right now. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, we have thousands of customers and people that are part of our world and get to our newsletters and, and, and are using Visible our founders, and, we're, and we know community is important. Um, how should I think about building a community uh, for my company, whether that's visible or something else. Is it something that should happen organically? Should I have uh, a mission or or kind of process or playbook I know I want to do to try to build up that community? How should I think about it? Because I think it, this is such a big topic of 2020 and going forward or like all of these community-based initiatives. I mean, there's a whole fund that dedicated, dedicated just to community. So I would love to be here kind of your insights on on how to think about community as a as a tool for for a startup or or what I'm trying to build.
1: Yeah. Um so, quick plug Flybridge did just publish a community playbook. Oh, <laughs> so, there we go. I highly recommend uh, everyone check that out. Um, but I will say, uh, at least for me, the number one key thing that community should have is authenticity. Authenticity in not just the leadership, but also in walking the walk. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, VCs have a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's just like people are saying they're doing these things. But if the stats don't prove it, then what is it all worth? I firmly believe that customers are goading with their dollars. They want to make sure their dollars are being spent in ways that then other folks will use it wisely. And so if there is that authenticity, then that leads to trust within the customers. And so, and quite frankly, stickiness. Uh, The community fund says that we are uh, looking for startups that have a kind of a sales and marketing flywheel that comes along with community so that they're like referring others, that they want to do more, which is what we've seen at the Republic side, right? Which is why we have the venture partner program. And we have a community of VCs, accelerators, ecosystem players that love us and wanna do more. And so the way that we were able to build that out was through this venture partner program. Uh, and give them more of an inside scoop of what's going on in public, get them more perks, get them everything they need because they saw what we were doing, especially from the representative founders, and they want to be part of that movement. And they're the ones who also believe that VCs are not the end-all be-all. They know that coming from VC and want to make sure that, that they're supportive of alternative funding sources. And so that's, for me, that's a crux of everything, and which is why it's so hard to build true communities at last because you have to continue with authenticity, continue with that trust building, and overall, um, make sure that people want to continue being part and associated with you.
0: Yeah. It's it's like content marketing back in, like, the early, like, like 2010, 2011. Like, content marketing was a big thing. Uh, but you actually had to build valuable content that was, like, authentic for people to actually read it and, and use it. And now it's like, it seems like that's the same with with community. Uh, what are they, what, one interesting thing I found... Just maybe even last time, so I wrote it down this morning. Is um, so Gagan Biani, who was the founder of Udemy and, and Sprig, uh, just raised like around a pretty big round, like four million bucks or something like that for his new company. But I think he announced last night that like he's using Republic uh, as well. Is that right?
1: Um, that is correct. I it will be under Reg CF, so accredited and not in this round. I will not say more than that.
0: Okay. until
1: they launch and everything.
0: There we go. I uh, saw so online, you can feel like a type form or some other things, but it was pretty interesting to see that like uh, this crowd investing is, is is really fascinating to me, right? I think we we talked about this earlier, but you know, even a couple of years ago, it was kind of like, oh, that's interesting that company's crowd investing, but now people are using it as like a, a true mm-hmm. vehicle for their business. Uh, and I mean, Absolutely. you're seeing it even like, uh, I know this wasn't done on Republic, but I think, uh, the team at oh my god, front for example, uh, she raised from just like high net worth angels and, and individuals for their, their big round, they didn't even do the venture route, uh, which is interesting. I think, I, like mean, that's, research.
1: It, 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 I think exactly this is a whole wave of like solo capitalists, rolling funds, crowd investing. This is all part of just using uh fintech in creative ways, which is why. I left the traditional finance sector because as I feel like the traditional finance sector just tries to preserve the status quo, whereas fintech and tech just wants to mold the future. And the more that we can give, democratize, right, rolling funds helps democratize with who can actually invest Mm -hmm. in the rolling funds. Um, Solo capitalists, you're the ones kind of building up their own VC firms and not necessarily just kind of going against the status quo and then crowd investing is really allowing your crowd to be part of your business um and cap table and i just think this is just a movement that's going to increase and yeah. the more like you so, you said yourself for Gigan's posts and everything that there are a bunch of vcs who are backing him in this decision right that there are that whereas before they would not even associate themselves with them are now knocking at our doors. And this has really happened, especially accelerated because of COVID, right? I think as Silicon Valley shut down, everyone was looking for alternative funding sources. So I personally did like 40 events. (laughs) Wow. And it's been a lot for sure, but I feel like the more that we can get towards people to understand that it's not something that you should do as charity, but it's literally a smart business decision. And I feel like finally people are starting to, to come around.
0: That's incredible. So many options for founders. Cheryl, thanks so much for ta- your time. This has been super great. If you're a founder, check out Republic. Uh, we're going to put all of the things we re- reference in this uh, mm-hmm. episode in our blog post and, and share this out with everyone. Uh, Cheryl, thanks again for-, for joining us on the Founders Forward, and we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mike. Right, see ya. it. See you.